The Nets just can't catch a break. With James Harden's return coming within hours, Kyrie Irving left Tuesday night's game with a facial contusion. With just three games left before the playoffs, can we finally see the big three together? And can they have everyone 100% and ready to roll for the first round? And who do we want to see the Nets play? We'll answer those questions and break down the final three games of the year as Yes Network pre- and post-game host Chris Sheeran joins us. So put on some facial protection, like, you know, a mask, and avoid injury next on Full Court on Flatbush from the New York Post. The next stop is Barclays Center. Full Court on Flatbush. Flatbush Avenue. It's the podcast. The New York Post. Most stars in the sky. The three. It's going. Brooklyn Nets. Take them to the sick baseline. Nets win. Nets win. So many stars. Brooklyn. The crossover. Welcome to Full Court on Flatbush. I'm your host, Robin Lundberg, alongside my co-host, former net number 30, Carrie Kittles. You'll hear our producer, Jake Brown, during the show as well. Give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review on Apple Podcasts, please. We appreciate your support as we take you through what has been a thrilling net season. You can follow us on Twitter, at Robin Lundberg, at Carrie underscore Kittles 30. Yes Network pre- and post-game and pinstripe pod host, Chris Sheeran joins us later in the show. This is the regular season finale of the podcast. The playoffs loom. And Kerry, I told you and Sarah Kustak last week, I was going to speak it into existence. You're all worried. You're all like, I don't know, you know, how many games they can win without James Harden. The beard is back, baby. And I'm feeling good. Yes, we're all feeling a sigh of relief, you know, that he's actually able to uh, hopefully suit up tonight as the reports are, are coming along right now, which is great news for the Nets. I mean, they obviously need him in the lineup in order to, to get to where they ultimately want to get to, which is the uh, NBA Finals and, and win a championship. And so, you know, he has some time now to shake off some of that rust, get himself back in there with KD and Kyrie and, and his teammates and uh, get his rhythm going, get this flow going before the postseason starts. You know, I, I mentioned this before, but do you think he's the the guy that maybe takes the most uh, integration because he, he's sort of become the engine of the team and the other guys have that one mode of uh, go get buckets? I mean, he played enough games for the season thus far. I mean, he you know he, he missed some games as of late, but he's definitely played in so many games where he's had the ball. He's been the facilitator most of the season for the Nets. And so he'll fall right back into that role. It comes natural to him to have the ball in his hands to make Make good decisions, breaking the defense down and scoring whenever he needs to score. He's, you know, he's a great scorer. And so he'll be fine. I think James Harden is built for this, the way he plays, his style of play and and how much pressure he keeps on the other team. Though, you know, Kyrie Irving did have to leave the game with the, the facial contusion. It, it seems like no matter what, <laughs> there's something that's trying to keep these three guys from playing together on the court at the same it's time. It's unbelievable. Like they can't ever get on the court together. They only played it in a handful of games. And now Kyrie's out again, possibly with this facial injury from last night. What strikes me as uh, interesting is that these guys that always wear these face masks, it's always multiple 
occasions in the, in the career. Steve Nash is one of them. You always see him as a player putting the mask on, broken nose or what have you. Rip Hamilton is another guy. Multiple times when he was playing for the Pistons, he's wearing his mask. It's like these guys just can't get rid of the mask. Guys, we can't get rid of masks in society. Now they're wearing them on the court. Can the word mask and coronavirus just be sent to the moon, guys? I mean, I'm done. Uh, I'm done with, with COVID. I mean, I've been done with COVID for the longest time. You know, when, when you got into sports talk, radio and, and sports talk in general, it wasn't to be a, a scientist <laughs> necessarily. And then you got everybody with their opinions on that. But these masks look cool. The other ones, you know, what did the South Park call it? They, they became chin diapers over time <laughs> when you put it around your chin. But like uh, Bruce Brown, I, I don't think we're too concerned, obviously, about actually the severity of Kyrie. He should be okay. But you see it out there. It's fitting for, for Bruce Brown or, or Bruce Bain, I guess. Bruce Bain, exactly. And what he does, you know, he's in the paint, mixing it up every possession. I mean, what a smart player to be able to find his niche in the NBA and not be like a, a three and D player. He's definitely a D player. He gets after you defensively, causes so much disruption. But offensively, when coaches are now telling players, you must space behind the three-point line, this guy just finds those seams. He hits those little floaters. He gets in there for those offensive rebounds and putbacks. I mean, wow, he's a great addition for the Nets. Yeah, I mean, his ability to play big while being small, right? I mean, that's one of the things. I've noticed they play with a lot more intensity when he's been in the starting lineup. Another thing I noticed lately is uh, building chemistry between Kevin Durant and and Blake Griffin. Those guys seem to have a really good two-man game going on. Obviously, we know what KD can do. But I think, you know, Blake Griffin's brought something when, when it comes to intensity and defense as well. Yeah, Blake Griffin is, is definitely a competitive player. He's feisty. I mean, he gets after, you know, we saw a little bit against Milwaukee. He and Giannis kind of going at it, battling him, trying to stand his ground and, and challenge Giannis. That's what he's built for. I mean, he's he has that kind of physique about him and that competitive nature. The Nets definitely going to need that from him in the postseason and developing more and more chemistry, finding his spots, how to fit in with those scores. Yeah. You know, we're, we're audio only here, but uh, we're, we're video right now. We can see each other. And I just have to point out, Jake, you keep distracting me because when you go back a little bit, you're like in the shadows and you're like in, in one of those videos where they, they don't want to be identified. <laughs> I saw them stealing the votes. And, and then when, when you come up <laughs> forward, you, you're you're right in the light. So it's it's a very um jarring uh, juxtaposition. I thought you were going to say I resemble Bane because you're talking about Bane. I was going to say, you will know my name one day. And on that day, you will beg for mercy. That's going to be the, the next line of the playoffs. My biggest problem with that movie, well, I had a few problems with that movie, but Batman fans have always told me forever, like with prep time, Batman is, is so uh, unbeatable. The dude gets his back broken. He's got all this prep time in a pit forever. And his plan when he returns is just fisticuffs. I didn't understand that aspect. He clearly went to Cobra Kai and learned from the Cobra Kai gods. Who on the Nets is, is Batman? Who's Superman? And who's Spider-Man or, uh, of the big three? Well, are we, are we going Marvel and DC? Because you just went Marvel. You went Marvel and DC. Listen, you're going- the expert at this you tell me what you want to do well i saw you know joe harris was on with our uh my friend ryan rucco and, and cc sabathia on the r2c2 podcast and he said um that james harden was like thor i think and he said kevin durant was iron man and dr strange and uh, i think he said Kyrie might have been like hulk i to me Kyrie is skilled Kyrie's spider-man to me like that skill uh, agility dexterity and everything like that as far as like leadership would be Captain America, I guess, but that, that he's not powerful enough to be any of those guys. Harden as Thor, I was trying to wonder what the the, the association there was. You, you know, just the ability to manipulate winning, I, I guess, in that sense. Bring me Thanos. Kevin Durant, 
I thought Harden would be Hulk, especially with the bodysuit when he first got to the Nets. He was the big fella. I thought he might be the Hulk. But he's too he's too much of a um, you know, a thinker out on the court. Like he's not Harden ain't just going to, to go smash, right? Like he he's got a, a plan when he's doing things. He's Iron Man. He's yeah. Iron Man. Yeah, he you know, he does a little bit of everything. I agree. He might be more like Iron Man. So then what does that make KD? KD just like this freak of nature that you haven't seen before. Ant Man. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That would be more like, I mean, he would be more in the vein of Hulk, but it doesn't match. It doesn't fit him right either. I don't know. Black Panther. What have I started with this Bane? <laughs> I was looking up the top 15 Bane evil lines, and that was probably my favorite one. Well, yeah, Bane is a, a DC character. Batman, you know, obviously DC. Batman doesn't have any superpowers either, though, so. He, Kevin he, has superpowers. Yeah, definitely has superpowers, so he's an upgrade over that. He's definitely got superpowers. Coming up I'll next see. on Marvel vs. DC with Robin <laughs> Lundberg. Well, what do you like better, Marvel or Disney? Uh, how do we get back on track, Jake? You're the producer. You, you said I was track. leaning back because I, I was checking the Mets game and seeing Matt Harvey <laughs> uh, get pounded by the Mets. But I think what we were talking about is the mask and how the Nets just can't catch a break here. You're about to have the big three come back potentially tonight against the Spurs. Now maybe Kyrie sits out one and he'll come back when they play Saturday. They play the Spurs, Bulls, and Cavs. So two of the three pretty easy. We talked about with Sheeran, they control their own destiny. But can this team get at least Saturday and Sunday, back-to-back days before they get, what is it, five, six days off with the playing games go on and a much-needed rest. Can they get the big three on the floor? Can we see them this weekend, guys, at Barclays Center? I think we're, we're going to see them at least once, if not twice, before the, the season winds down, Kerry. And, and I think now you start to look at the seedings, right? Like, who do you actually play in, in the first round of the playoffs? Who do you want to see in that first round of the, of the playoffs? And that's the difference between, I guess, the second and the third seed. Because if you wind up falling to three, the Knicks are currently in sixth. Right now it would be Milwaukee and, and the Knicks if the season ended today. But if you, you stay in second, not only you get that home court, but you're seeing one of these teams from the, the play-in. And, and Boston just looks done at, at the moment. And, you know, even a team like Washington, what Russell Westbrook has done is great and everything. They just don't have that talent. So I don't I don't think any of the teams that are in sixth should worry the Nets in, in a series. But I, I think just to, to make it even easier, Staying in that second spot would be big. Yeah, it definitely would be big for the Nets. And they're going to fight for that. I think you'll see that in these last three games. They're going to really fight for that seed. Having home court advantages is really important in the playoffs. You know, I can remember my playing days. Like, we were looking forward to playing in the swamp, having that home court advantage. And so this team is, is going to fight for that these last three games. And, you know, listen, it's going to be an uphill battle for any team getting past the Nets. As much as the Nets have been through this year, all those challenges we've been discussing through the season, the injuries and the lineup changes and all that stuff that's out the window once the playoff starts and you have to go across that and look in those starting lineups and see two or possibly three of those guys in uniform that's going to be an, a difficult out for any team in the east well i've maintained it uh, the whole season once he got there and they started playing the way they did it if harden's healthy and out there i don't really worry too much about anybody to be honest and the lakers at full strength i guess would be the next team that i put on that level but Le- lebron you know, has been hobbled coming in. I guess you you do just have to go to those weaknesses again, though, and say defense, rebounding, can those be exposed over the course of a series? Or are they just too good in every other facet of the game for, for that to actually make the difference? It's going to be, you know, an interesting tell for us as fans now to watch and see how that plays out. I think I still have my concerns over their defense. It comes and it goes. But listen, they're sharing the ball that's you know like what they did last night, right? Thirty-two assists and seven turnovers, whatever it is. That was a phenomenal game of of passing and moving the ball, sharing it, finding the open guy, being unselfish. 
when they're playing like that, guys, with all those shooters and guys that understand their roles, like Bruce Brown, when he gets in the game, they're going to be a difficult out for any team. And, and you know, I, I think as far as the defense is concerned, I think they'll be able to patch up those holes uh, come playoff times and, and, and just figure it out on the fly. But it looks like they're going no true big, right? I mean, DeAndre Jordan's been out of the rotation. So that that's going to be coming down to, to Blake Griffin, Nick Claxton, Jeff Green. Yeah, I mean, that's... Gone are the days of true fives anyway, for that matter. But, you know, you're going to need somebody to go up against Joel Embiid occasionally. You may need somebody, you know, if, if Brooke Lopez decides to get in the box and, and try to create some havoc around the paint. But otherwise, you're going to have to have Blake Griffin playing the five, and, and it's going to be tough guarding him as well. Because now, you know, he's getting finding his legs and his rhythm with the Nets. Durant may be at the five. Jeff Green may be at the five. You know, Claxton will give him some minutes, but DeAndre Jordan to right now seems like, you know, he's going to have to be fighting his way into that lineup if he gets a chance to get in there. Is he a break glass in case of emergency guy? Exactly. And 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 Nash has done a good job of that thus far this year. I mean, he's been, you know, like a puppet master with these, pulling these strings, finding, you know, TLC hasn't played in a long time. Johnson's out of the lineup. He's playing Mike James. I mean, do you agree Matt, with the, Do you agree with that Johnson not being in the rotation? You know because uh, Mike James has has been impressive, but he is more wired to 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 get his right. I, I, Johnson plays off the ball a, a little bit more. Yes, Johnson plays off the ball, but he needs someone to kind of at least run a ball screen and kind of break somebody down and, and make a play. Johnson isn't that guy. He's an off the ball catch and shoot guy. And so without Harden there, you kind of got to find something. And then Kyrie goes down, and now he's playing 26 minutes last night. That won't happen in the playoffs, hopefully. Yeah, it's, it's surprising to see how he plays these cards with these guys, these these role players, and these guys are still all in. I mean, they're they bought into the system. They know that what their roles are. When their number's called, they have to be ready to play and give them whatever they have. Yeah, I mean, like the role players too. That's those are the kind of guys that Harden, I think, has a real impact on it. I think he saw. He said the other day that he went up to to them individually and, and said that they're going to be an important part of the run there. And I think he's sort of taken that task too, not just as the the point guard and, and the conversation that he and Kyrie had, but Kyrie and and KD. All due respect to those guys, just unbelievable players, right? Like it's just it's disgusting to watch at times. But neither of them seems wired in that way where it's like, all right, we're going to take the bull by the horns as far as rallying everybody else. Yeah, that that seems to be more of Harden's, his natural suit as a leader, right? He's, he's been showing these leadership skills from day one. How he's come in, he's he necessarily demand the ball right away, but he asserted himself in the right place. He he talked to guys, he, you know, I mean, guys, I remember what he was doing with, with DeAndre Jordan at that time. I mean, he was just lob city, just like he, Big Griffin was, uh, DeAndre Jordan was back with the Clippers days. And so, Yes, he's asserted himself. He understands that's his responsibility on this team is to make everyone better around him. He embraced that role. The guys around him understand that as well. And so that's the magic of this Nets team is having this top, whatever, 8, 10 player in the league join your team midseason and then being able to take them from being where they were, which is a struggling ball club, into really seeing this aspirations just go through the roof and expectations as like, whoa, this is a championship team now. And they got to get through this weekend, guys. You got to get through healthy. Like, can nothing happen Saturday? So can we go into next week with everyone healthy, everyone on the men? Because with the luck they've had, I mean, Vucevic whacks Kyrie in the face, and you're hoping that he's okay, and it seems like he will be. But can they just go through? You know, I think you should be fine if they limit minutes this weekend. Give them 20, 25 minutes each. You know, let Tyler Johnson, Mike James play. Let these guys get the rest. Just see them together. But we, I don't think you need to see them for 40, 42 minutes this week and have them fresh for next week and like we said that time off is going to benefit these guys a lot but 
You need that two seed. You want home court, not in the first, just the first round. You want it in the second round. And if the Sixers get out, you may have it the whole Eastern Conference playoffs. And, you know, we, we've talked about in the show, the theme has been Robin and, and the Twitter fingers from Knicks fans on Twitter coming after him. Even if he says nice things about the Knicks. Well, the Knicks are six. All right, ni- all right nice articles. <laughs> yeah, all right, nice stories. I saw that. Robin giving the Knicks, showing the Knicks some love on paper, on video. The Knicks are the six right now. And if the Nets fall to three, it might be the Subway Series battle. Basketball first round, Knicks-Nets coming. See, I, I think the, the Knicks want that less than the Nets do. Knicks and Hawks is an interesting series to me because those two teams, I could see that going either way. I, I don't think the Nets, and Kerry would mentioned it before, opponent, I, I really don't think it matters very much once you get in, into that mix when you're talking about that level of team and that that's not disrespect to the Knicks or the Hawks or... Auto Heat or, or yeah, Celtics. Yeah. What any of those teams have done, there's just a, a, a different level of talent that the Nets have. Yes, they do. They have that extra gear, those three guys and what they can do on the court. And so I'm not worried about those ball because like you said before, the, the main thing is having those guys healthy. I do want to see them have that home court in, in the second round. But they likely may play the, the Celtics, which you have no problem with now with Jalen Brown out for the year. That is a monster loss. I know you think it's a, a breeze either way, but without Jalen Brown, that's a much easier series. The one team that's a little hot that you worry about a little bit is if the Wizards win the play-in tournament. I do think the Nets will handle them, but they're a, a dangerous team. More dangerous the Wizards in my mind than the Hornets and the Pacers and the Celtics. Yeah, I, I think they washed the Celtic. I mean, I think they washed. I think all those series are four games. You know, the the Wizards too. Like Bradley Beal has a hamstring injury going into the the playoffs. And, and again, Kerry brought. Uh, you know, t- we talk about the rest of that roster. I mean, what is the story? The story is that Westbrook has had these Herculean feats to get them to what five games under five hundred, <laughs> whatever they are right now. I mean, there's just a great philosopher once said, "There's levels to this." And <laughs> when it comes to the the Brooklyn Nets, they are on another level than those teams their final three games versus the Spurs Wednesday versus the Bulls Saturday versus the Cavs Sunday meanwhile the Bucks are at the Pacers Thursday versus the Heat Saturday and at the Bulls on Sunday but as long as James Harden's healthy as long as Kyrie Irving's face is okay as long as Kevin Durant remains healthy the Nets I think we should all feel pretty good heading in to the postseason. And Harden, by the way, listed as probable. Officially, the report is in by the Nets. Probable for Wednesday night. So the return of the beard. And coming up, we'll talk to yet another member of the Yes Network crew who gets to call games or talk about these big three that haven't been on the court together so much in Chris Sheeran of the Yes Network. As we continue to work our way around the Yes broadcast crew, we welcome now in Chris Sheeran, who does a pregame, halftime, postgame for Nets broadcast. And Chris, you know, in covering this team this year, I noticed before we, we were recording live, you're interested in what's going to happen, obviously, you're covering. But you wanted to get Kerry Kittle's opinion, and, and you were, like, interviewing him. So maybe we should start that way. Maybe you should interview <laughs> Kerry. <laughs> I like that because, yes. I don't, you know, I, I talked to Kerry once this season on the pregame show but it was, you know, it was just that one time. So let me do that. Let me pose this to you. Let me pose the same thing I posed to you before we started taping, Carrie. And that is, you know, as we head down the stretch here, we saw, uh, you know, there was a narrative out there that the Nets, when they come across teams with some bigs, they might not be able to hand those teams. You talk about Portland. They lost that game at home before going on the road. They lost twice in Milwaukee. We all know what Yanni can do every time he takes the floor. And he had that, uh, I'm using Chris Farley air quotes, ankle injury. Yeah, okay, 49 points from (laughs) Yanni with the ankle injury. But then uh, they go to Dallas too. and, And something that concerned me in that game, but Kevin Durant flipped the script immediately in the next 
next game was that Luka, the last two big possessions for Dallas, he was guarded, carry by KD, and Luka scored two big buckets there. So my question to you in this roundabout preamble type of way is, does anything scare you here as we go down the stretch with the Nets as they're entering the playoffs? Great question. And it's one that, uh, you know, my co-host and I have been discussing that, you know, most of the season is what are the Nets concerns, right? Their concerns have been consistently their defensive effort from time to time, their lack of inside presence, especially after the, the trade of Jared Allen, and the consistency of having those big three guys in the lineups, right? That's been a big concern of theirs. And so, you know, you mentioned some of their challenges and they just all kind of resurfaced as of late. And that is definitely concerning heading, you know, we're in, we're in May now. Playoffs are right around the corner. You want to be hitting your stride right about now and having your rotation set guys in in rhythm obviously guys healthy so yeah when you see them going on the road losing those games and when you see one of your best players and you know a guy who's going to be sort of anchoring their defense at times in the postseason Durant whenever they're going to go small and you having guys go taking him one-on-one and scoring on them when the game is on the line those are definitely questions that the Nets, Nets have to figure out they don't have much time to figure it out so it's uh <laughs> do or die now roll the dice and just see what happens you know Chris I, I want to know did you get a pair of the, the Kevin Durant shoes because I, I saw Sarah Kustak and, and Michael Grady <laughs> post them online last night no, I, I did not. That Those stay in the arena, I think. You know, they all got the, the throwback tie-dye jerseys that Carrie yes. used to wear. And uh, I, I didn't wear that jersey. I want uh, one of those. Oh, okay. All right. You, you were you before I got there. Yeah. yeah all right. Yeah. You you were, I think, a version of that or something. Or you, yep. you were with the Grays right after that, right? Yes, the Grays that said New Jersey across the chest. Yeah, mm-hmm. my memory serves correct there. But uh, no, they, they tend to stay in the arena, Rob. And I did ask our producer, Frank DeGrace, uh, on the episode network if i could get one of those tie-dye jerseys uh that was back in january and i'm wearing my drazen shirt like um so yeah that's this is basically if i want something nets i guess i got to get it myself now when you throw back to the old school era there there are a lot of listeners here who who appreciate whenever we talk about that and and somebody who doesn't appreciate being complimented too much is carrie so i'll go to the bit i've been doing all year on this show please say something nice about Kerry Kittles and, and that era of the Nets. Let's go back to Villanova first oh. and foremost. I mean, you got to remember, Kerry, how old are you? 46. Yeah, I'm 47. So, you know, Kerry was banging at Villanova when, when I was like heavy into watching college basketball. Now, I grew up a St. John's fan. Apologies, Kerry. However, uh, one of my best friends f- uh, from high school growing up went to Villanova, went to all the games, followed you guys everywhere. I think he was in, uh, he was a couple years ahead of you, Kerry, but that guy lived and breathed Villanova basketball. So I kind of live vicariously through his fandom. And, you know, Kerry was on the team that I hated being a St. John's fan. So I followed him through Villanova, when he went to the Nets, I was kind of happy because it's nice to see, you know, that local Villanova kid uh, getting a run with the team that's in New Jersey. So that was fun to watch. And and your teams, carry were unbelievable. And you were part of that. Chris Morris, remember him. But when Jason came and when you had Richard and Kenyon Martin, those teams were so much fun. They were ridiculous to watch. I mean, every night in and night out, the Clippers were Lob City, Robin. 
But before there was Lob City, there was uh, Jersey. <laughs> I mean, and when you're from Jersey, you kind of hold things in that state very close to your chest, no matter what kind of fan you were growing up. When something Jersey is doing well and you're from Jersey, there's that connection. So I I, I can't, the superlatives with Kerry and, and that team, you have to come up with new ones because they were so much fun to watch, including you, Mr. Kittles. Thank so, you. So stop being so damn humble. Uh, <laughs> You were a big part of that. And uh, just to be able to sit here and talk ball with you and to have you on the yes pregame that one time, hopefully it's more times in the future. We're trying for that, by the way. For sure. Um, but this is a pleasure for me. So thank you for having me on. I, I thought he was going to say Swamp City or some, some <laughs> yeah. other form of Lob City. Carrie, <laughs> well, first of all, how does it feel to hear that? And what's your favorite thing about yourself? Oh, favorite thing about myself? Oh, gosh, I don't it's know. It's got to be the shiny bald head. It is, it is yeah. always perfectly shaped. Yeah, I guess like going bald. Well, you know? three out of four here today. Yeah, Robin, get yeah. rid of the hair. Come on, join the, join the party. <laughs> you know, I, I would say, Doug, those teams that he just mentioned were just the thrill of my basketball career. You know, to play in an era where you still had so much parity across the league it was so competitive. And, you know, I'm playing with the Hall of Famer. And I know it at the time. <laughs> like, you know, Jason Kidd's going to go to the Hall of Famer. It's just like etched in stone, right? And he's just making the game so easy. It's just like driving to the arena every night. You're just like, man, who are we going to stomp tonight? And <laughs> and uh, to be a part of that and to have such a competitive balance on our team with Richard and Kenyon and those guys, it, it was so much fun to be a part of it for three and a half seasons. We really just took the NBA by storm. And you know what's interesting, guys, that uh, this is the 25-year anniversary of that. We were talking about this on the Knicks podcast yesterday, that draft class that Kerry was in. Just going through all those names and all those big schools, and it was the year you had some of those guys like Kobe coming out of high school and just going, like, that is the greatest draft class of all time. I know NBA TV, I don't know if you saw it, Kerry did a special on it. We were probably in it, and Calipari talking about you and taking you over Kobe Bryant. So it is interesting to look back 25 year, years later on that class carry yeah it was uh it was very interesting that that year that that draft and and being a part of that, that group of guys you know i didn't know they would be that special in the nba i knew we were pretty good at the time but i mean you who would have thought that stuff on marbury would have came one year from georgia tech and did what he did obviously obviously in two years at georgetown then just you know a little guard just destroying the entire league and you know you look across the league you had canby doing great things ray allen obviously was <laughs> was a superstar almost immediately and then obviously the emergence of kobe bryant steve nash awesome draft class i want ai stepping over ty Lu injected into my veins like daily <laughs> That was like an NFT before those existed, right? <laughs> NBA top shot forever. Do you guys think Jason Kidd gets enough love for that era? Because you talked about Kerry knowing that he was a Hall of Famer when you were playing with him. Russell Westbrook just breaks the, the triple-double record, which has spurred you know point guard talk. And, and you hear about Chris Paul and, and obviously Magic Johnson, Steph Curry. Russ, Steve Nash, John Stockton. Do you think Jason Kidd gets enough love in those conversations? It was so hard for little guards to get all those rebounds back then to consistently be six five and under. Yeah, that's where bigs were. Bigs were just like, yeah. get out of here! Don't yeah. touch the ball. And so now you see the opposite. You see Russell going for the ball and his teammates just backing away. But uh, yeah, Jason Kidd was in the MVP conversation in an era where you had those great players of Shaq and Kobe's, and you had 
Tim Duncan and you had Garnett. Those guys were dominating the NBA. And here you have a, a all-around point guard who's just a distributor, not necessarily known as a scorer, carrying his team to the finals two years in a row. And so, yeah, I don't think he definitely gets enough credit for what he was doing in that era and, and how he lifted his teammates and how he willed us to wins. It's an amazing play. I, I got to ask both of you guys, actually all three because I see Jake too, but, you know, Russ, Russ came up and broke the record of the triple doubles. And there's been some talk that, you know, stat padding this, that, and the third. And, you know, he's just going after, he's chasing stats. I don't see that with Russell Westbrook. I don't know why so many people hate this guy. He's like a throwback to me. The point guards, I mean, we talk so much now because that's where the game is going, positionless basketball. But when I was growing up, Kerry and Robin and Jake, I, I watched Magic. You know, I, I watched Dennis Johnson. And I know I Isaiah. You know, these guys were, they were pass first point guards. They they embodied the point guards that I grew up watching. And that's kind of what Russ does. He creates, he gets rebounds, he distributes, and he could score. This guy's amazing. Why, why guys are people taking a dump on him pretty much? I mean, I, I don't understand it at all. Ring culture and 24-7 news cycles and the way things are talked about because everything has to be a take, right? So Russell Westbrook doesn't have a championship, therefore he's not good enough. And, you know, when you look at Russ, there are legitimate critiques of his game. Uh, inconsistent jump shot, decision-making in crunch time. Fair. That's the big one. Yeah, but you can't throw away the rest of it. When I was growing up, the Oscar Robertson triple-double season was the thing of legend, right? And, 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 and this dude just did it first, about to do it for the fourth time. And to your stat padding point, uh, his teams are 136 and 46 in games where he's gotten a triple-double. So those stats don't seem so empty to me. And look at what he's doing with this Wizards team. That's the other thing. Like, he could be chasing after stats, and the Wizards could have the worst record in the league. Now, look, they're in the play-in, but still, they're in the playoff conversation. And I think, Kerry, that has... That has to add some weight to what he's doing. Absolutely. I mean, he really is just a bigger version of Iverson. I mean, yeah. Probably just, you know, distributing the ball. Iverson didn't pass as much or distribute the ball and be that much more of a playmaker. But, I mean, gosh, he is so tenacious. He attacks you on every possession. And, yeah, I mean, he, he seems to be – his teammates love him. Listen to the comments from Bradley Bill. You know, and his thoughts prior to him joining the team. I mean, he was just, he had his doubts too, right? But now Bradley is like, listen, this guy is, <laughs> is, is everything. He competes so hard. He gives this all to the team. He's he's unselfish. And no, I, I love what he's doing. I mean, on a, on a roster, I mean, gosh, the, the roster is so depleted. I mean, it's, who is he playing with? You can't even name three guys on the team. And here they are going to probably make the playoffs. They're in that conversation. So now nah, he's an amazing player. Yeah, circling back to the, the, the Nets for a second and, and the work you do, Chris, um, Yes Network, Yankees, you know, the why is right there. And obviously you've spent a lot of time covering the Yankees. I'm curious because the, the Knicks and Nets conversations come up, but the, the Yankees have always been sort of the prestige, the talked about team in baseball for the longest time. How does this current era of the Nets feel to you in regards to that context that you're so used to? I think there's still an air of doubt on whether they're the younger brother still to the Knicks, even with the three stars that they have. I think the Nets don't start to break free from that until these three guys, let's face it, let's get them healthy first. Let's see what they could do when they're all on the court. They've only played six and a half games together. I mean, that's that, that's ridiculous to understand that they have those three stars 
Robin, and they've only played six and a half games, and they're the damn two seed in the Eastern Conference. So somehow, you know, look, Steve Nash has a lot of talent, even without James Harden. He still has KD and Kyrie. I mean, that's what we thought we were rolling with this year until we were hit across the face with the sledgehammer that was James Harden when he came over from Houston. And and we all saw, I mean, James was in the MVP conversation until he got hurt. For sure. Um, but I think if this team, let's face it, they, they need to win a championship. Carrie, you tell me if I'm wrong, because you can't have these three guys and just say, oh, well, we made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's a good. No, 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 no. You need to win an NBA championship, especially with the Knicks doing what they're doing on their side of town. You know, this was a team that was a pariah. This was a team that no free agent wanted to touch. Uh, Kyrie and KD, they came to Brooklyn. They didn't go to Manhattan. And now with Tibbs and that culture over there, these guys have bought in. They know their roles. They play defense. Uh, we saw they almost beat the Lakers out in LA. They're the sixth seed as we tape this right now, but they're starting to turn things around. So that window for the Nets with these stars to get something done and maybe change that optic, Robin, of what you're talking about, it's tight and they have to start this year. They need to win a championship. There, how's that take? Skip Bayless-esque, they need to win a championship this year. The only difference between Skip Bayless and me is about $4,999,000 a year. And you also have to criticize LeBron and praise Tebow, but then you can move on, yeah. <laughs> that is a fair point, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Chris, I want to ask you a question about, about Steve Nash. You mentioned the coach, right, and, and all of these challenges. You know, first time head coach in the NBA. Obviously, he was a great player when he played and, he, you know, long time player, two time MVP. But just think about all those challenges of not having those three guys in the lineup. They're just the inconsistencies. Kyrie missing time as well for off the court personal reasons, all of that drama around that. <laughs> you bring in Blake Griffin. Right, a, a forward who's taking minutes away from and he's Jeff. Been tremendous, by he's the been way. tremendous. You're right, but he's taking minutes from Jeff Green. He's taking minutes from Claxton, from DeAndre Jordan. Just about, talk about Nash and and the adjustments that he's been able to make. All these challenges. Now he's playing Mike James over Tyler Johnson. I mean, it's just like he's got all these pieces to to juggle. What, what are your thoughts on how he's handled all that? I I think you know there were some doubts about Nash because he is a first year head coach and he has a lot of personalities to juggle along with all these injuries to juggle carry so it was going to be interesting to see how he handled the season as it went along and I gotta be honest I mean to be the two seed I know all the talent they have and he has Mike D'Antoni there as as a nice net to fall into if he falls off the trapeze and Jacques Um, Vaughn and Jacques Vaughn let's not forget about Jacques what he did in the bubble you're absolutely right Amari Stoudemire (laughs) that, that doesn't hurt either for the bigs there, but they've got that Spurs kind of East mentality going on with Sean Marks running the show. So I think it's a trickle down effect. You look at what Tibbs has done with the Knicks. I mean, Tibbs, he's a coach. And I heard Jeff Van Gundy uh, recently on the Michael K show, because someone asked Jeff if he was just a defensive coach and he didn't want to pigeonhole him as just a defensive coach. And Van Gundy said, Tibbs is a basketball coach. (laughs) He gets it. I liken Tibbs to taking, it was like Joe Girardi in his last couple of years with the Yankees. He he really didn't have a lot of talent. And, and, and at the very end, he had a lot of young guys. And it was kind of like if you could picture a toothpaste tube. It was at the end of the toothpaste and, and Girardi's just squeezing to get as much as he can out. And I think that's what Tibbs is doing over there with the Knicks. Now, Nash doesn't have to do that with the Nets. 
because he has the talent to fall back on. But the way he's been able to do everything and push buttons, carry. And I'm not saying I'm not saying push buttons like to get guys going. I'm saying pushing the right buttons like a Mike James over Tyler Johnson, like Blake Griffin taking a little bit more time away from Jeff Green. He's getting the feel of how this rotation is going to shape up in the playoffs. And I think that's the important thing they have to focus on. But I think just as much as that's important, I think the two seed, as Sarah Kustak said last night on our pregame show, the two seed is just important as finding those rotations. Because when it comes down to it, Carrie, you know this as well as anybody, home court matters. It definitely matters. And they need to focus on that. And they control their own destiny. If they went out, they're the two seed because the Bucks got absolutely pasted by the Spurs the other day. Yeah, and the Bucks lead the tiebreaker. I, I, you know, I'll pull a Steve Nash here, Shearney, and not call a timeout uh, while you're on a run. But a bunch. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I work with Chris Sheeran twice a week. You can listen to the Pinstripe Pod on Mondays and Thursdays with Chris Sheeran and Jeff Nelson. Yeah, I had, I had to put my, uh, my nets. Uh, what do you call it? Those little things you put into the computer. Help me out. The USB uh, floppy disk. See, I, I, I have a Liberty USB. I have a Yankees USB and I have a Nets USB. So I had to put the right one in before showing we his today. age with the floppy disk. Now I hear Sheeran mention, you know, Marv Albert do his voice a lot. So I'd love to hear Sheeran and, and Marv Albert voice talk about. You mentioned Kustak. We've had her on. We've had Ian on. We'd have Grady on. We've had Ruko on. We had Carino and Capstra on on the radio side. Uh, we're still waiting for RJ. I know 9 a.m. is a little early for him on the West Coast. Maybe on, maybe RJ. at some point in the playoffs for RJ. But you are here. Talk about the crew. You used to work with Marv Albert when he was there. Now he's gone. I did. And you know what? It was such a thrill for me because I grew up listening to him do games my entire life. And then when you're in the same room with him and he's actually calling you by your first name and you hear that iconic voice say, uh, Chris, uh, I don't know how many of these games I'm going to do, but, and you know, we're sitting there, we're just, we're, I'm shooting the breeze with basically what I thought was the be all end all when it came to play by play as a kid. Now that has transformed for me because now Ian Eagle, it is amazing what Ian can just walk into a different booth. He could do, he could do, any, I mean, he can make high lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, he told us he covers track and field, and I was like, "Yeah, oh, in the Olympics." Does he have USBs also? <laughs> oh God, <laughs> he needs so many USBs. He, I, t- I talk to him all the time, and if it wasn't for him, I, I, I would not be half the play-by-play announcer I am for the Liberty because he's the one he sent me the sheet to, to, to prepare with, and I still have it to this day. And that's how I get ready when I do play-by-play. And I, I'm like a sponge when I'm around him. Whenever I'm at Barkley Center, I haven't been there recently, obviously, for pandemic reasons. But whenever I'm around Ian, I try to be a sponge. And it's a good time to be a sponge. But growing up, it was Marv. Now it's Ian. And I say it all the time. And I'm not afraid to say it here. Here's another take, Robin. Here's another hot take. Forget about Nance. Can we make Ian Eagle the number one NFL announcer on CBS? I said this to him when we had God. him on. I said, how is he not re- calling the Super Bowl next For year? For the love of God. I'm, look, I'm not anti-Nance. I'm not. I think he's good at what he does. I, I think he is. I think he's tremendous at golf, the masters, the best. But when it comes to football, when it comes to basketball, the Birdman should be sitting on the perch, not anyone else. I want to hear Sheeran, Sheeran and Marv like, French vanilla, cream, and two Splenda, yes! <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh. Uh, and Frank 
that guy Sola. I mean, a good pre and post game guy. And, you know, you've had Spinarkle in there. They've had some uh, great ones in not only in the call in the game, but in your studio as well. If you ever do this show with Richard Jefferson, you could ask him about the post game show where he basically made paper airplanes the entire show and threw them at my face as I was trying to do the post game. So yeah, so there's that. So I was with Richard. I was with Jim Spinarkle. I was, I, I was with a cavalcade of uh, former Nets stars and former Nets broadcast stars, legends, Mike Fratello, the czar of the telestrator for crying out loud. So I, I grew up listening to Marv and czar. And then here I am working with both of them. It was, it, you know, it's an out of body experience. Carrie, Probably panic like is Michael Jordan. It's or, the same yes, thing. You step on yes, the court yes. and you, you you idolize these folks and then you're actually working and playing, competing against them. And you're like, wow, I'm actually guarding Clyde Drexler right now. This is unbelievable. Yeah, I, I I couldn't imagine that, Carrie. Like, <laughs> like that would be, I, I would get so caught up. Like if I take a defensive stance and Glide is across from me, I'm like, he he's going to beat me because I, I'm, I'm guarding. And, and, and you, can't, you can't exactly guard a play-by-play announcer. Like Marv Albert goes, yes, you can't go, no. Pooping his pants. <laughs> <laughs> or or have what happened to me. So we're playing against the Rockets in Houston, and I make a nice move on Clyde or whatever, a nice little crossover, and he fouls me. And then I'm going to the free throw line, and Akeem Olajuwon walks over to me, and he's like, that was a nice crossover. And I'm like, oh, the dream just told me. That's a nice crossover on his boy, Drexler. So I'll right, take that. <laughs> I'm sorry, the phone's ringing here. I can't help that. He uh, has a home phone, folks. Who the hell has a home phone? Yes. (laughs) Dial up internet. Yeah, I mean, a a Uh, home phone, that is very rare. Uh, Does that have a USB? (laughs) No. We're we're kind of in flux here. We're living with my in-laws for the time being, trying to save some coins so we could find a new house. You could see behind me, this is basically my children's wardrobe sitting behind me i got my wife's wardrobe over there and our entire life is around the basement here in my a reality show in the making sheeran and the in-laws yes is that a (laughs) is that a mattress on the floor behind you behind me um that's a pillow okay that's more of the stuff for my podcast box that jake brown had me construct (laughs) because my voice has to be good for the uh, in-home podcasts uh, thank God I have it because I'm doing this one with you all, and I got the Yankees tomorrow. Yeah, he sent us the YouTube instruction video for that before we started yes, doing the yes, show. You watched it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. I was like, Wait, "Who do you think I am, MacGyver?" Caught uh, <laughs> <laughs> in a box. Yes, that's what good producers do, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But Carrie, I want to go back to your point, uh, and I have to ask you another question. Now, you said Glide, and you said Dream, and Jordan. Were there any other guys that, when you broke into the league, that you were playing against, and you were like, "Damn." Uh, obviously Reggie Miller. I mean, that's, it's, you know, for me, just watching what he used to do to the Knicks. And now he's waking up at Wendy's. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's crazy commercial. Yeah. Watching what he used to do to the Knicks in the playoffs and then having to play against him and chase him off those screens. Yeah. He's over there with Spike Lee having fun, (laughs) (laughs) pushing off and making these threes and, and yapping. But yeah, going against Reggie, Jordan, those guys, can't think of any other ones. Obviously, when you go to Utah and you're playing against Stockton and Malone, <laughs> Stockton yeah. Malone, I mean, Hornacek is just like, wow, you pinch yourself, honestly. And it's just like, you take a look back, you know, whenever there's a dead ball situation and you go, wow, I'm here. I made it. We're talking about records. I mean, John Stockton, I think it's like 5,500 assists over the closest active player, that being Chris Paul. So that's one of those ones 
that may not be caught. But, you know, when, when you plug in all the different USBs, you have to be a great broadcaster in, in, able to, in order to do that. And Chris Sharon certainly is. Yes Network, Nets pre- and post-game host alongside Frank Isola, Sarah Kustak, Richard Jefferson. He's the host of the Pinstripe Pod. Some cross-promotion. we got to make sure we get that in there. The post-Yankees podcast with four-time World Series champion Jeff Nelson, New York Liberty play-by-play announcer. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Sheeran. Yes. Anything else? Or is that all of it? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they – hey, if they want me to mop the floors in the studio, I'll do that too. So, yeah. Robin, you know. I mean, it's all about hustle. And you know in the New York area that they could sniff out a phony in a heartbeat. And you can't be that. You have to work hard. It's it's a constant grind. You have to be on top of everything. Carrie, I'm sure you're you're getting to know this too as your broadcast career is getting – uh, some legs as well. So it's just, I hate being that guy that that says blessed. I think blessed is an overused word nowadays, but I am. I'm 47 years of age. I've worked hard my entire life. And now the fruits of all that work are starting to pay off. And yeah, hashtag blessed. And his hair is bald and shiny and beautiful cocoa butter. Yes. No, he's yes. Uh, he's yes. Not black. Uh, yeah, see that? Yes. And uh, yeah, Jake, uh, I, I do my Brian Mungia is is the producer one of the producers of this show, one of the producers of our Yankee show and signing off. He's got the perfect Marv name. Like, can you imagine if Mungia played for the Knicks back in the day? Uh, Brian Mungia hearing it from the crowd. Mungia with the facial. <laughs> That does it for episode 21, the Brian Scalabrini edition of Full Court on Flatbush, our Brooklyn Nets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mungia for producing the show. Go to Apple Podcasts right now, I implore you, and give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review. We appreciate it. For Kerry Kittles, I'm Robin Lundberg. We're back next Wednesday for our playoff preview show. Stay safe, stay healthy, and thanks for listening to Full Court on Flatbush. Let's go next.